Well, good morning, church, and Merry Christmas. Really puts you in the Christmas mood when it's a slight drizzle outside and kind of gray, right? Doesn't really feel like a white Christmas, but Merry Christmas nonetheless. Um, I want to start with this observation. Have you ever just noticed, and this is not going to blow anyone's mind, very, very obvious observation, that it just is more difficult to do things in the dark, right? And, and, and here's a couple of reasons why. Number one, darkness distorts our perspective. Have you ever noticed this? It makes it hard to see things clearly. So maybe you've experienced this uh, dynamic where you wake up in the middle of the night and the laundry that you failed to fold earlier in the day is, is piled on a chair. And do you ever do this thing where you wake up and you look and you go, is that, is that a person standing in the corner or is that the laundry I forgot to fold? And for me, this is problematic because if, if it is a person standing in the corner, I'm the one that has to deal with them in my household, right? And so you, you do that, you kind of rub your eyes and you realize, oh no, it's, it's just the laundry I forgot to fold. Um, over Christmas, we put up the Christmas tree and I forgot that we put up the Christmas tree when I got up in the middle of the night to let my dog out to go to the bathroom. And I'm walking through our uh, living room to go out to the back door and I nearly had a heart attack because I thought there was a six foot tall person standing in my living room. No, it was, it was our Christmas tree, right? So darkness has a way of distorting our perspective, but darkness also has a way of disorienting us a little bit. Now in your own house, it's not a problem because you know where everything is at unless your kids leave a laundry basket out or a toy out or, or like... For me, what happened one time is I got up in the middle of the night, one of our kids woke up and they're crying and you're in a hurry and I'm walking out of our bedroom to go attend to one of our kids and I knew the bedroom door was kind of open. And so I'm feeling for the bedroom door because I know kind of where it's at, but it's dark and I'm disoriented and I have my hands out and the door went right between my hands and I smacked it straight up and down in my forehead. And it was this moment where in the darkness of night, I suddenly see stars and I'm like, Jesus, I think I'm coming home, right? So somebody was here and they've clubbed me over the head because darkness, it disorients and it has a way of distorting our perspective. Now, here's why I draw your attention to that. Because there's this Advent truth and this scriptural reality that we live in a world that is broken with sin and walks in the darkness of life without Jesus Christ. And so we live in a spiritually broken world that lives and walks in the darkness of sin. And just like physical darkness has a way of disorienting us and distorting our perspective, spiritual darkness likewise has a way of disorienting us and distorting our perspective. And so we ask questions like, what is truth? What's important? How do we navigate our lives? And when we're walking independently of Jesus Christ in a world that is spiritually broken, there are implications to that. And we know that the world is broken and we know at a very core level that we're walking in a world that experiences spiritual darkness because we see it all around us, right? You watch the news and you see new headline, news headlines, you're scrolling on social media and we see and read and hear about things that, that point to the reality that we live in a broken world. But not only do we experience it out there, but we experience within ourselves the realities that we live in a world that's broken by sin. We're going to gather with our families over Christmas for many of us, and you're going to experience the dysfunction sometimes of the family that you grew up in. And there's these reminders that our own insecurities, our own places of woundedness and brokenness are these reminders of the reality that we live in a world that is broken by sin and walking in darkness. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter eight is writing to the people of Israel 
in a particularly faithless moment in their journey. And, and the prophet Isaiah calls attention to the darkness and the spiritual brokenness that exists in the world in which we live. Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. He says, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, he says, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. And when they're famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. And they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. Your typical Christmas passage, right? Some of you are like, pastor, did you get the, this is Christmas Eve. We know Isaiah 9, right? For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And he should be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. We want to jump to there, but we can't get to there unless we look at Isaiah chapter 8 and look at the context in which Isaiah is speaking into. And Isaiah is speaking into the life and the story of the people of Israel at a particularly dark moment in their history. And the people of Israel have been wandering in spiritual darkness. They have rejected God. They've chosen to rebel against him and to walk in sin and darkness. And what Isaiah says is there are people who are disoriented and their vision is distorted. They're not walking in truth. And not only that, Isaiah tells the people of Israel, you're looking for truth in all the wrong places. Right? The people of Israel were looking to mediums and spiritists, all these people that could bring wisdom and guidance and truth. And yet Isaiah says, if they're not speaking according to the word of God, they don't have the light of dawn. And they will lead you into a place of further brokenness. They will lead you into a place of further distortion and distraction. And in verse 20, Isaiah says, you shouldn't consult God's instruction. Right? For the people of Israel who are lost in this place of spiritual darkness, he says, come back to the truth of God's word. Here's the implication of rejecting God's word and choosing to walk in sin and darkness. Verse 21, Isaiah says this, distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. And when they are famished, they will become enraged and looking up will curse their king and their God. And I think, church, there's a warning for us here, right? It's all too easy to, to rebel against God's word and God's ways and God's wisdom. It's all too easy to say, I want to do life according to my agenda, my plan, and my purpose. And so I'm not going to consult God's word. I'm not going to look to it for truth. I'm going to make my own decisions and do what I want to do. And then we find ourselves lost and disoriented, walking through the spiritual darkness of a world apart from Jesus Christ. And like the people of Israel, our tendency is to look to all sorts of other sources for truth. And what we find is ourselves becoming increasingly disoriented. And just as Isaiah says, the people of Israel, they get to this point where they look upward and they're famished and, and they begin to curse their king and their God going, God, why did you bring us here? And I think for so many of us, we do something similar. We rebel against God's words and God's ways and God's wisdom. I'm going to do life in my own strength, making my own choices. And we get to a place where we're really broken and we go, God, why did you lead me here? And we set aside the reality that in our sin and brokenness, we rebelled and rejected against God and his words, ways, and wisdom. And that leads to a place of spiritual darkness that disorients our perspective and leads to a sense of distortion in terms of knowing and understanding what truth is. Isaiah continues writing. And in verse 22, he says this. He says, then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. And Isaiah comes back to this reality that spiritually we live in a broken world that lives and walks in the darkness of sin. 
Now, the second Advent observation is this. We can't get out of sin and brokenness by ourselves. We, we cannot save ourselves from a spiritually broken and a spiritually dark world. We need a savior. And this is precisely what Advent is all about, is that our savior has come, our savior has arrived, but, but we can't free ourselves, right? Let, let me draw our attention again, back to Isaiah chapter eight, verse 22. He says, they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Have you ever experienced utter darkness? Our family this fall, we were out at Jewel Cave uh, out in the hills and we, we did the, the guided ranger tour and, you know, the kids are loving looking at all the rock formations and they, they have this path that kind of winds its way through the cave. And you get to this one part in the cave tour where you're on this sort of large observation deck. And the ranger says, you know, take a look around you, look at all the cool rock formations in the cave, kind of take it all in. And then he says, okay, I went to grab the railing, hold on tight. And he's got a breaker box, right? And he says, okay, hold on to the railing. And he turns off the lights. Y'all, there's dark and then there's dark, dark, right? When they turn off the lights in the cave, it's, it's dark. You know, you literally, you can't see your hands in front of your face. Now in that moment, had the ranger said, Hey guys, this is my break time. Um, I'm going to leave the lights off. Good luck getting out. Y'all, I'm not getting out of that cave. I'd still be in there today trying to find, like, you can't see anything. It's disorienting. You have no perspective. You can't find your way out. And so what Isaiah says to the people of Israel is as they continue to choose spiritual darkness apart from Jesus Christ, it leads them to a place of utter darkness, a place where they lack perspective, they lack wisdom. You cannot find yourselves, we cannot find ourselves out of that place. We need a savior to show us the way to bring the light of truth. And this is exactly what we celebrate in the Advent season. In John's gospel, in John chapter one, verse nine, he says this. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, yet his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so John, drawing on these prophecies about the Messiah, says the true light that gives light to the world is here. The true light that will guide us in truth and in hope and salvation is here. And he says anyone who will receive Jesus has the right to become his child, to be in relationship with him, to be restored and reconciled and redeemed in him. So there's these Advent truths. Spiritually, we live in a broken world that lives and walks in the darkness of sin. Number two, we cannot get out of sin and darkness by ourselves. We need a savior Number three, Jesus comes as our savior. The word advent comes from the Latin word adventus and it means the coming or the arrival. And so what we celebrate in the Advent season is the arrival of our Messiah, is the arrival of our Savior. And the reason we light the candles is to anticipate what was it like walking in darkness when you finally see the light of truth and hope and salvation rising on the horizon and you see the, the, the hope of Jesus coming. What must it been like for the people of Israel eagerly waiting for hope? What is it like for us in the midst of our own brokenness and darkness, eagerly awaiting hope? And the beautiful truth of Advent is that Jesus has arrived and he is here to bring hope and truth and peace. Now, Isaiah chapter nine, this is where everything turns. Isaiah eight is gloom and darkness, people in utter gloom. Isaiah nine verse two says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned, right? This is the arrival of the Messiah. As Isaiah begins to prophesy, the people of Israel are in a place where they lack hope. They lack perspective. They're walking in darkness. And Isaiah says, right in the middle of that darkness, a light is rising on the horizon and truth and hope are coming in Jesus Christ. He says, verse three, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Now, do do you notice this contrast? Isaiah chapter eight is gloom and darkness and despair. It's depressing. If you read Isaiah 8, 19 to 22, it leaves you in this place of feeling hopeless. And yet in Isaiah chapter 9, as Isaiah turns his attention towards describing the arrival of the Messiah, he says those people in gloom and darkness, those people in despair, a light is dawning and there is hope on the horizon offered in their Messiah, offered in the Savior Jesus Christ. And he says, those same people who were lost and disoriented, those same people who were cursing God, he says, if you will respond to the call of Jesus and turn towards the light, he says, you will have joy and you'll be able to rejoice just as people would rejoice when the harvest comes in, just as people would rejoice when the battle is won. Verse three, you've increased their joy and they rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. And I love this reversal of a place of despair to now a place of experiencing the joy of Jesus and rejoicing, responding outwardly to the hope and the redemption that Jesus brings. Isaiah continues. He says, for as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. And as Isaiah walks through this, it's not only do the people of Israel have joy, not only do they have rejoicing, but he says, listen, the very places where you are walking in oppression, you can have freedom. Here's what we need to understand about rejecting God's word, ways, and wisdom. When we walk in spiritual darkness and sin, it leads us to a place of oppression. And we often think that we can handle it, right? I can make my own decisions. I can choose how I want to live. I don't need the wisdom and and the guidance of the word of God or the, the presence of Jesus in my life. I can do this. And when you choose independence from Jesus Christ and to walk in your own direction, it will inevitably lead to a place of brokenness and oppression. And yet Isaiah says that a Messiah is coming who will free us from places of brokenness and oppression. There is healing and restoration and redemption that Jesus offered. Verse five, Isaiah continues and he says, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. What's Isaiah saying? He's saying we live in a broken world where the people of Israel, they know war. Right? They've been living in the, in the promised land and they've had to fight tooth and nail for every bit of it. And yet Isaiah says, when the, when the Messiah comes in his fullness, when Jesus comes in his fullness, you won't need the instruments of war anymore. He's describing a world that is healed and whole and redeemed. And Isaiah says to the people of Israel walking in darkness, a time is coming when all that is broken will be made new and be healed and be made whole. And church, this is good news for us. In our places of brokenness, in our places of woundedness, in our places of insecurity, when we gather with family over Christmas and we become all too aware of the dysfunction of our families and the dysfunction that exists in our own life, the beautiful truth of the gospel is that Jesus offers us healing and wholeness and restoration and redemption and in him we can be made new and our families can be made whole. Isaiah continues. And he answers the question, how is all this possible? How can we experience joy? How can we experience healing and wholeness and restoration? What makes all of this possible? Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. 
for to us, a child is born. Right now he's prophesying about the arrival of the Messiah. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And, and I love these descriptions of Jesus. He's a wonderful counselor. He brings wisdom and guidance and discernment and insight. And, and if you're walking lost in darkness, you need wisdom and guidance and counsel and insight. And Isaiah prophesies to the people of Israel, you've been walking in darkness. You've been lost and disoriented. A Messiah is coming who will walk alongside of you as a wonderful counselor. And he will be an everlasting father. This is the language of intimate relationship and connection. He will be called the Prince of Peace. I think we live in a broken world that is hungry and yearning for peace. And the prophet Isaiah says, this Messiah, this Savior who's coming, he is the Prince of Peace and he can give us a depth of peace that this world can never offer. And Isaiah finishes with this. He says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time forward. He says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And what Isaiah describes is he says, you don't do this on your own. This Messiah who's coming, he says, the zeal, the passion and the presence of God will accomplish this healing and this wholeness and this restoration. Church, we live in a broken world. We cannot get ourselves out of it. We need a savior. And our savior comes as the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace in the power of God to bring restoration and healing and wholeness and redemption. And part of the Advent question is, how will we respond to that? You've maybe noticed over the last 18 minutes, the room has slowly and gradually gotten darker. In fact, if you're watching on the live stream, you're maybe annoyed, right? Because you maybe can't even hardly see. This was on purpose though, right? Because th this is kind of how darkness works. Nobody wakes up one day and says, you know, I'd really like to just destroy my whole life and, and go down a path of chaos and darkness. N nobody really says that. But what happens is we, one compromise after another, find ourselves walking a path towards the rejection of Jesus. This is how darkness works. It's often a slow and gradual creep. Right? And what I want you to do before we light the candles is just take in the darkness of the room for a moment. Because what we're doing in the next moment is we light the Christ candle on the last Sunday of Advent, signifying the arrival of our Messiah, the one who brings peace and joy and hope and restoration and the forgiveness of sins, guiding us out of darkness and into life. So the ushers are going to make their way forward. And in a moment, what we're going to do is you, you've got a candle like this and they will light their candle from the Christ candle and you're going to watch the light spread. And the reason we do a candlelight service on Christmas Eve is it's symbolic of what Isaiah is talking about, that in the darkness, a light has dawned, the Messiah has arrived. And here's what I want you to do. As you watch the light spread, watch how the room is transformed. As it goes from darkness to being illumined with light, watch how your perspective changes. As we celebrate the arrival and the dawning of joy and the dawning and the arrival of our Messiah. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of Isaiah's word. That into our darkness, into a world that is broken, you sent your son Jesus to be the light of truth and hope. And, and I love what John says, that the true light that gives light to all people has arrived in Jesus. And to all who receive them, he gives the right to be called children of God. And Father, that is mind-blowing when we think about it. 
And Father, in the next few moments, as we watch the light spread through the room, let it be for us a tangible reminder of the transforming power of the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.